Um, our reading this morning is taken from Dan uh, Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 to 7 and verse 10. And it's Daniel in the den of lions. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, when Daniel learned that the the decree had been published. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, thanks be to God. God. Lovely. Thanks, Judith. Let's uh, let's pray and then um, we'll have a think about that passage. Father, we thank you for Daniel, for his example and for your strength that you showed him and helped him with. And I pray now that we might learn from his example and follow you more closely in prayer. Amen. Now, I'm sure none of you needs it but just in case we'll do a quick recap on Daniel it has been a couple of months since we did our last passage on Daniel uh, Daniel was taken into exile in Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar and in chapter six Nebuchadnezzar is gone he's dead and the Babylon empire Babylonian empire has fallen conquered by the empire of the Medes and Persians Babylon is now ruled by Darius and the Persian Empire was the largest the world had ever seen to that point. It stretched all the way from what's now Eastern Europe to India. So it was pretty huge. Very sensibly, Darius found 120 satraps. Now, I'm fairly sure that we don't have satraps anymore, but they're, they're sort of governors, basically. Like they oversee a region of an area. So when you've got a, such a big empire, it's really important to split it up into sections and give each bit to a satrap. So he's very sensible. And over those 120 satraps, Darius had set three chief ministers to make sure that the satraps 
were doing their job. And Daniel was one of those three. And in fact, he was so good at it that Darius planned to set him over the entire kingdom. That might be because Children's Church are doing Joseph at the moment, but that reminds me of Joseph and the way that Joseph kept getting put in charge of things uh, because he was such a gifted administrator. Well, Daniel, very, very similar. Now, I can't decide, though, if this is good delegation by Darius or simply laziness, trying to get someone else to do the hard work for him so he can sit back, eat, drink and be merry. I'm not sure. Whichever it was, the other ministers, the other three, the other two chief ministers and all the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. They didn't like him. Now, we don't know why. They could have been jealous of his success, um, envious of his ability. He was obviously better than them. Or they may simply have been racist and didn't like the fact that a foreigner was being promoted above them. Whatever their motives, though, they tried really really hard to find something wrong in Daniel's conduct. But in verse four, we find that they couldn't. He was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Only the same could be said for all politicians. Perhaps the three words we should be using when we pray for our own leaders are trustworthy, honest and diligent. Perhaps that is how we should pray for those in authority over us. What their investigation did find was how committed Daniel was to God. And they realized it was his weakness, at least from their point of view, it was his weakness. So they hatched a plot. They'd go and butter the king up, always a good start if you wanna get something. They would lie to him in verse seven. They had not all agreed to do this because Daniel, of course, hadn't agreed. So they made it sound like there was full consensus, but actually there wasn't. They appealed to the king's pride. Now, if you remember, King Nebuchadnezzar had built a statue to his God and had forced everyone to worship it on the plain. And if they didn't, he threw them into the fiery furnace. That's Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. That was bad enough. But this time they want to make Darius himself the one that people worship. Verse seven. And of course, they would throw anyone who refused to worship Darius into a den of lions. So this was their plot. They went to the king. And of course, it was all agreed. And Daniel was in trouble. Either he would have to compromise his faith and worship the king instead of God, or he would face a rather grisly fate being ripped apart by hungry lions. Daniel was in trouble. Speaking of being in trouble, I switched all the labels on our spice rack this week. Jess hasn't noticed yet, so I'm not in trouble, but the time is cumin. When I was a student, I got in trouble for keeping two crows in my room as pets. See, the police came and arrested me for attempted murder. When we looked at, it's so weird seeing seeing you all laughing so heartily and yet being completely silent. When we looked at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego a few weeks ago, I asked where the greatest miracle happened. Was it when they were rescued from death in the fiery furnace? No, the greatest miracle was their faithfulness and their obedience to God in the face of extreme pressure. 
And the same is true here of Daniel. Spoiler alert, Daniel didn't get eaten by lions. In verse 22, it says that God shut the mouths of the lions so Daniel was unharmed. And then Darius threw his enemies in and the lions ate them up. Pretty grisly end. But that's not the greatest miracle here. The greatest miracle is the same as it was with the fiery furnace, and it happens in verse 10, which I'll read again in full. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. The greatest miracle was that Daniel stayed faithful. He refused to pray to Darius and instead kept praying to God, as he always had done. And there are four important things that I think we can learn from this. I'm going to take that verse backwards. So first, it says Daniel prayed just as he'd done before. In other words, he didn't turn to God in prayer because he was in trouble. He prayed because that's what he did. It was a discipline. It was a habit, a holy habit. Whatever was happening, good or bad, Daniel prayed. Second, Daniel prayed, giving thanks to God. Seems a bit odd in this situation to be giving thanks to God. Giving thanks to God in this way, it's so much more than counting your blessings or whatever we say in Britain. When we give thanks to God in all circumstances, we do three things. We focus our attention on God instead of on ourselves and on our troubles. We acknowledge that although our situation might be wobbly or dangerous or difficult, God stands firm and secure. And we speak the truth that what we have from God in Jesus, it far outweighs even the worst this world can do. Paul calls them momentary troubles, by which he describes being stoned half to death, being shipwrecked, being put in prison, being betrayed. These are momentary troubles compared to the all-surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. So when we give thanks, that is what we are doing in all circumstances. Daniel prayed just as he'd done before. He gave thanks to God. And third, he prayed three times a day. This shows, interestingly, not having enough time or being too busy are just excuses when it comes to prayer. This man was running an empire from Eastern Europe to India. And he had time to pray three times a day. How? He didn't find that time. He made that time. He fit his day around prayer rather than the other way around. He didn't wait to find time to pray to God. He made it. He fit his day around prayer instead of the other way around. Fourth, Daniel prayed in an upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Now, given his position of authority, I don't think we can write that off as a coincidence. Daniel had deliberately created a space to help him pray and focus his prayers. Friends, we are not spiritual beings trapped in a body waiting to be released. God made us as we are 
out of soul, spirit, stuff, mind, all of that together, that is who we are. So physical space matters, makes a difference. The wise person realizes how much our physicality can help or hinder our prayers. It might be the time of day. Do you pray just as you're about to go to sleep? So you end up falling asleep before you actually pray. Do you pray, I don't know, five minutes before you've got to do something else? So your mind is on, is on that rather than on, on prayers. Do you pray with your phone in hand or with, or with other distractions around so that you end up being distracted and not praying? I don't know. There are all sorts of ways in which our environment and our surroundings stop us and hinder us from praying. What Daniel did was he found a place that helped him with his prayers. The windows open towards Jerusalem. It was a way of focusing his prayers on God and on his people. So I wonder if there's something here for us to think about the space and the time in which we pray. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about where might be a good place for you to pray? I'm not talking about the church building. I'm talking somewhere that you, you interact with every day. So somewhere at home or in the garden or, or, or out for a walk or whatever. I don't know. Whatever works for you. Do you deliberately make a space and make the time to help you to pray? Because, friends, there will always be excuses and reasons not to pray. This has been one of the things that's challenged me this week, thinking about Daniel 6. There will always be reasons and excuses. We have to be wise and find ways of helping ourselves like Daniel. See, Daniel was committed to prayer. It's all too easy for us to become complacent. But this was the most important thing he did. And he did it three times a day. It was his greatest strength. And it was the point where his enemies decided to attack him. Because they realized that, actually. So let's follow Daniel's model of prayer. He prayed every day, no matter what. He gave thanks to God whatever his circumstances. He built his day around prayer, not the other way around. And he made a space to help him pray and stay focused. May we follow that model. May we be as committed to prayer as Daniel. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for Daniel's model to us of prayer and how to pray. And we ask you to help us be as deliberate and committed to prayer as he was. Help us keep our focus on you, no matter what is happening, no matter what the circumstances. Help us rest secure on you alone. Amen.